Welcome back, everybody. We are back again for another episode of The Undiluted Truth. And we actually have a guest in studio today. We'll, yes, we do. We'll introduce that guest here momentarily. Uh, but once again, welcome, rock tumblers and truth seekers. We are glad to be with you again today. We are going to be getting into the second part of Dr. Fleming's event 2021 that was done about a month or so ago in Dallas. This is filled with just unbelievable, spectacular information, and and we're looking forward to getting into it and sharing that with you. But before we begin, I want to introduce Ben's dad. We'll call him Joe, mostly because that's his name. So, Joe, welcome. Uh, Joe is a medical technologist, and uh, we are excited about some input that Joe will be bringing us today. Uh, I am, and I know that you will be as well. So, uh, before we begin with our clips uh, that we've got here, we've got several, uh, and you know kind of how we roll. We'll run clips, we'll pause, and then expound on those. So, But before we do, we want to do a little recap of... Uh, where we were last time leading up to here, we we were really right in the middle of 1976 uh, uh, pandemic with the swine flu and right. Mike Wallace and 60 Minutes was really doing some serious work. Uh, got into conversations, mainly the one that will really stop you in your tracks was the one with the head of the CDC, Dr. Mm-hmm. David Sensor, and he really backed him into a corner. I mean, you had corruption, you had denial. Uh, we had a whistleblower or a eyewitness uh, testimonial from a Michael Hadwick, Hatwick, I think it was his name, uh, mm-hmm. that yeah. really exposed some flat-out denials. So what we're trying to show you as we're looking back at, like, who are these people? Who are these people that are doing these things? And it seems like the more rocks we tumble and turn over, the more truth. And I'm saddened to say the more corruption and the more, let's just call it for what it is, the more evil we're, we're finding in some of this information. And, and, and some, some of this is... Or disinformation. Yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's information of disinformation, but it's... You know, it's it's exposing these people, and of course, as we know, the Bible says, "You'll know them how by their fruits." By their fruit, and unfortunately, we're not finding a lot of good fruit under these rocks, are we? So, no. uh, anyway, uh, I think that's an, kind of enough of the background of this. So, what we're going to uh, we're going to start this little clip here just momentarily, and you're going to hear just a small piece of a, a, a small documentary, uh, small and small. And this is a a documentary that was done about a hospital in New York, and it's sort of about the frontline workers. They're giving them a a sort of a title and, and, you know, some accolades, uh, but we're going to hear how Dr. Fleming reacts to this particular documentary. And then he will be getting into the difference uh, between COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2, and a lot of other things. So, folks, buckle up and get ready. So we're ready to go here. Ben? All right. Let's roll. Guys, it was heartbreaking. 
because this is still so new to us that what we're just doing what we can and we don't know what's going to happen. As I see it, the triumph here lies in the courage and humanity of the health workers. This may not be enough to defeat the virus, but it's magnificent to witness. The triumph doesn't really belong to healthcare workers. This is the job we signed up for. <clears throat> the problem is these people weren't allowed to be treated. So doctor, nurse, respiratory therapist had to watch patients die because the treatments that were allowed to be used were inadequate to treat the inflammation and the blood clotting. So what's the difference between this virus and COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 is an inflammothrombotic disease that occurs in people who already have inflammothrombotic diseases, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, cerebrovascular disease, or what many people call a stroke, a term I do not like and don't use because stroke means God disliked you and struck you down. It's cerebrovascular disease. It's blood vessel disease of the brain that causes damage to the brain. These diseases already have inflammation and blood clotting associated with them. And then these predisposed people not being treated will die. Now, this is what your lungs normally look like. This is a bronchus or a big airway. This is a smaller airway. And as you go down, these are the little alveoli, little Okay, I'm going to pause that right there, mm -hmm. and mainly because they're showing a picture here that, unfortunately, we can't show. Right. But one of the first things he said was just sit you back in your chair was that, what did he say was wrong with the individuals at the hospital? What was the main problem that they were having in the hospitals? And I'm not talking about medically, but the the main problem that they were up against. They weren't being treated. Correctly. So the right, the patients had that problem of they were not being treated. Now the doctors, and he's one. Believe me, he's got a long, long list of of uh, accreditations. But what problems were the doctors having? The medical staff. They were not being allowed to practice medicine the way that they were taught. They were to make it pure and simple. These. Individuals have a license to practice medicine, and when you're practicing medicine, it means every individual is different, so you have to figure out what's going on with that individual. That's why it's called a practice. It's not a, an exact science. Medicine is not an exact science. It's an art. And you get better at it the more you do it. But when somebody else comes along and tells me, you can't do it that way because we don't want you to use this particular thing. We want you to use this one over here. Now, all of a sudden, you've limited my ability to do my job that I signed on for. Absolutely. And, and that comment, once again, uh, uh, Joe is in here with us today, a medical technologist, and that's his side of things, and he's, he's right on point. And the, the main problem is, is he, he touched on it was that there were things that they could have used mm -hmm. and they were being held back. And he's going to get really 
a little bit more into it. He's, you know, he's, 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 you know, we're we're waiting right now. We're going to really get into the water a little bit here. And also, I just briefly, I wanted to mention. He said all of these people had inflammatory disease. Joe. Yeah, they're all they're all clotting. They all have they all have inflammation within the blood vessels, and this is something that we can test for. We can look at this. We can know what it is, and when we test for that, and we find this inflammation, the doctors have procedures that they can use to alleviate that. Absolutely. So as we go through, if you hear ITR, that's inflammatory uh, response, or ITD inflammatory disease. And he also mentions mentions that most of them, I don't think he said all of them, but most of them came in already had some sort of that going on, which would be a comorbidity coming through the door, which really makes things difficult. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Joe, it shortens the time that you have uh, in treating these patients. Obviously, if they already have something going on, you get, you add another disease that does the same thing, you're compounding it. Absolutely. Okay, bear with us uh, as we go through with, uh, unfortunately, once again, we can't show you these pictures, at, but listen closely as Dr. Fleming explains uh, what's going on here with the lungs specifically. Okay, and here we go air sacs and the blood vessels. This is where the oxygen comes into your body, into the blood, and the carbon dioxide leaves. You can see how open this is. So much area to move oxygen in and out and carbon dioxide in and out, okay? That's normal. This is what inflammatory disease looks like. All filled up, big blood clot. So even if you had open airways and you form a blood clot, there's no movement. You can't get the blood in to get the oxygen and to take the carbon dioxide out. This is what the lungs look like on the outside. And the blood clots? Well, this is in the lungs. Pulmonary, because it's lung. And embolus, because it came from someplace else in the body and moved to the lungs. It's a pulmonary embolus. You get that, you die. Untreated, you die. Where does it come from? From your legs and other places. This is a deep venous thrombosis which is our term for a blood clot in the veins, deep in the body, usually in the calves or the thighs, forms there. And when it loosens up, it's an embolus. It's a moving blood clot. It gets to the lungs. You die. This is the prostate of one of these patients. And there's blood clots there. This is the heart. And that's inflammation. How do we, how do we know that? You can download this. August 2020, the Germans published this. Every one of the patients that they put in this study that they looked at with COVID-19 have these inflammation and blood clots. You can download it yourself. This is not a hidden secret. Okay. I think that's very important. Two things. When you get a blood clot in, in Joe, you know this, in the leg or another part of the body, it loosens up. It will break apart. And when it gets to the lung, and I'll be honest with you, until I did some of this research, I didn't know everything there is to know about it. You know, my natural thought was if the blood clot got to your heart, but no, right. if it gets to your lung, you die. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't want a pulmonary emboli. 
Um, yep. You get a pulmonary emboli, and it's it's a death sentence. It literally is a death sentence. And this is why they don't want. This is why when they they tell patients that if you have pain in your legs, you need to get to medical care immediately, because that pain in the leg could be blood clots, and they can do something to help break that up and keep it from going somewhere else or staying a blood clot. They can give you medication that will, you know, we normally refer to them as blood thinners. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, a, a layman's term, okay, Right. for an anticoagulant. Yes, yes. And the other thing, and, and thank you for, uh, for verifying that, Joe, the other thing was that did you catch how many people that they autopsied had blood clots that had this so-called disease? All of them. Every single one of them. That struck me. I had no idea, but they looked at every one of those. And also, he emphasized, this isn't a secret. You can download all of this information, and it was done by some doctors in Germany. And there's more of that same, uh, uh, I guess, same evidence and same access to documents that he will, he will bring up. And we will try to do our best to repeat where you can get this information from so you can also have the same access to some of this really so-called evidence. But this stuff shouldn't be secret. We shouldn't have to dig down. This is, this is for our own good. This should help not just us as you know, possible patients, but medical professionals. Uh, so uh, pardon me as we continue. We may, just because we had a little hiccup here, you may hear something uh, more than once. Uh, but here we go. This is where the oxygen comes into your body, into the blood, and the carbon dioxide leaves. You can see how open this is. So much area. They did autopsies to see why the people died. How do we know that this is the cause? Because some guy by the name of Fleming in 1994 presented this at the American Heart Association meetings. Now, I joined the faculty of American Heart in 1976, and I joined three components of it as a result. Basic cardiac life support, how to teach the general public to do chest compressions and breathe for somebody. Advanced cardiac life support, how to teach medical personnel what drugs to give, how to intubate. That procedure of putting that tube in the lungs, I've done probably about 750 times in my life. And the third was the physician cholesterol education faculty in which I was one of the people teaching the general public and teaching physicians. And when I was in medical school, I helped teach part of the emergency medicine course because of all this while being a medical student, okay? Teaching people what causes heart disease. This diagram, I first presented at American Heart in 94. I presented again in 95. In 1999, in this cardiology textbook, published it, 1999. It includes viruses and bacteria as causing this. It was heresy for me to do this because I was going against the system. My life is kind of full of that. The second thing our dean of our medical school taught us or told us when we entered the class was 90% of what we teach you will be wrong. We ask those of you who are scientifically oriented to go and do the work to improve that. Okay, that was an intentional pause, and I'm leaving it right there for a minute. This is unbelievable that he developed this very method to identify what causes 
these inflammothrombotic diseases. And this is exactly what he developed, was this very thing caused by viruses and bacteria. Back in 1999, mm-hmm. this is not new. We had people in hospitals dying, and we had a man that had the answer in 1999 and knew basically how to treat what was going on and knew, but more importantly, what was going on. I, I think that is absolutely stunning. The other thing that's going on here that he doesn't tell you is that in this process of things going on, there were laboratory tests that were being developed to be able to identify these things directly so that we now have the tools in the laboratory to give the doctors answers. Does this person have this inflammation? How bad is the inflammation? And that's based on the the value that we get off of this test. Uh, And we have a couple of them, but there's one primary one that we use for inflammatory type of situations. And we can use that to actually predict heart attacks. That's incredible. And it's all right there at our fingertips. And I, I think the thing that should be highlighted is what was laid out there for, and I can appreciate what he just said, what he did with this method alone, and this, auto, this sort of says it all, was heresy. Now, why in God's green earth would what a doctor developed to help a patient and to save lives, how and why should that be? heresy that just that shows you the the world we're living in and you know god bless this man he is out there in front he's he's really risking his whole career and maybe even his life you know i dare say but uh there's more as we're moving through here and you'll see what he does he's not a man to just sit around and we'll see what he does moving through. Okay, ready. And we're going again. I did. That. Okay, we're buffering. No, we're not. This is the pause in the actual video itself. They had a little glitch there. Buddy, so and you can see that. Back going. Independent of how this happens, your immune system builds a reaction to it, and you get these blood clotting and inflammation occurring in people, particularly with these other health problems who are not being treated. When I entered medical school, we had pulmonary patients come in who couldn't breathe with pneumonia, bronchitis, or COPD, or reactive airway disease, asthma. We put them on IV steroids and antibiotics immediately. This isn't happening for COVID-19 patients because the doctors are being told there aren't treatments. If you treat, you'll lose your license. There'll be repercussions. You'll lose hospital privileges. You don't think so. Look in the news at Houston right now. Okay? Look all over the world. This is happening. This is how it happens. You have to treat that. And here's the cell. This is an enlarged version. This is on FlemingMethod.com. There's a page that walks through it. This is a cell. This is how viruses get in naturally. If you look here, you'll see all four of those receptors I talked about earlier. But here's the virus getting in. You treat a virus by reducing its ability to get inside cells, by reducing its ability to reproduce itself. 
and by reducing the inflammation and blood clotting, which occurs at two times. Initially at three to four days when it comes in, gets reproduced, and it starts to be, get broken down and it gets presented to the surface of the cell on what's called major histocompatibility complex one, top shelf. Okay? That takes three to five days and the T cells there respond. What do the T cells do? They try to kill it. That's their job. They release chemicals that kill tissue and kill cells that are infected. And what does that do? It causes inflammation. And it can cause blood clotting. So you treat that. <clears throat> and at 10 days, 7 to 10 days, what got out will eventually come back in and get presented under major histocompatibility complex 2 to what's called the beta cells or B cells that make antibodies. And that's why it takes that long for antibodies. And the antibodies and the chemicals produced do the same thing. They attack. They try to destroy, and they produce inflammation and blood clotting. Because if you can blood clot off an, an invader, it will die. It doesn't get supplies. It doesn't get nutrition. It doesn't get oxygen. These things, these inflammatory thrombotic responses that I presented in the theory, are why the people with COVID-19 have been dying. These deaths are all the result of the federal government telling people there is no treatment and not allowing doctors to practice medicine and controlling the way in which that practice of medicine is being conducted. Okay. Wow. Does it does it get any clearer than that? Uh, so it, he was yeah. pretty blatant right there. The reason they were dying was because of the federal government restricting what you could use to, to treat. And Joe, briefly, I, I, I want can, you can to help. Can we call that socialized medicine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. it's it's backwards medicine is what it is, and of course that that type of medicine when when you start control you know controlling and and uh, limiting what people can do, whether it be information or medical practice, that goes that goes back and and sounds a whole lot like communism. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, we've seen this one before, but if you will, he was he was talking about the treatment of the the uh, inflammatory thrombotic. Uh, disease, but he talked about the T cells, Joe, and then he talked about as it, it you know it'll come back in, you know as they come back in now your your beta cells, your B cells, are the ones that kind of go in and explain a little bit about the difference in the T cell and the B cell because they both are defenses, but I know that one operates a little bit differently. They do the the T cell, like he said, it's your it's your primary defense. The T cell see something that isn't self. That's basically what it amounts to. It is something that is not self, and it recognizes that it's not self, so it attacks it. Um, the, the difference between that and the beta cell is the beta cell has actually run across this substance that is not self before and has a recognition pattern that says, I know who you are. Uh, I've seen you before, mm. and I know what to do about it, and I'm going to attack you, and you're going to be out of here. Not only that, but the, the other thing is, is that your beta cells are long-lived. Uh, These stay in the body for years, not a few days. A lot of your cells, they, 
they're recycled. They're they're dead after 120, 160 days. They're gone. But your beta cells are with you for life. Uh. This is why when you get measles as a child, you don't get it later because your beta cells recognize measles and they say, "No, I've seen that before, and you're not coming in." So that uh, so that sort of clears it up that they both are defense mechanisms, but the beta cells are more or less the memory bank that identifies intruders forever how long they're there. And as, as you said, they're there for years upon years. So that in itself really, because we hear that, okay, once you've had a, you know, a, a, a disease or, or a virus, that you're actually, because of these B cells, you're in a better position with them than you would be with a vaccine. Yes. Is it, yeah. That makes per- perfect sense. And, you know, mm-hmm. that really... And this is why the the other types of vaccines that we've seen before, the smallpox vaccine, the, the vaccine that we've had for mumps, measles, and these were all attenuated bacterium. They were they were dead, in other words. They were not living, they couldn't create the disease, but they were that substance that were injected into the body. The T cells see them and do something with it and give the beta cells time to come along and look at it. Okay, and then they create this antibody that is now there because they've seen it. Yes, that makes perfect sense because they basically allow you to catch the virus and let the body do what it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. And And, and the body is a a magnificent thing because... When the T cells attack this and and do something with these viruses mm-hmm. or these bacterium that come in there, they create something around it, and then we have these cells called monocytes that are phagocytes. They will eat these. They come along, they see this and say, oh, that's something I'm supposed to ingest, and they mm. eat these little things and carry it out so that it gets taken out of the system. Unbelievable. Well... Mm. No, that's wonderfully believable. Very yeah. believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't. So, well, Joe, thanks so much for that uh, for that explanation. Very detailed. So, unfortunately, we're in a place. I think that we have to kind of close this particular episode. Yeah, unfortunately, out. Unfortunately. But we will be picking it up right about there because we have more that uh, Dr. Fleming is going to get into. And he actually did a trial that I'm pretty certain that most of our listeners have never heard of. So anyway, with that being said, uh, how much time do we have, Ben? Do we have, uh, I think the way we closed out, I see Joe over there looking. Do you have that? Uh, scripture about how we're wonder fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what I was thinking of, of how. But yeah, you, you've got something over there. So you turn I, the pages. I, I'm looking sure for something, for something yeah. specific, and uh, that wasn't what I was looking okay. for. Okay. So. <laughs> well, th- well, that was one of the things that I was thinking of. And, and the other thing is, you know, you, we know the story of Paul when he hit. You know, when the ship, the ship wrecked, and they right. all they all hit the the shore and. He has a, I guess we think uh, is a poisonous adder or something on his <laughs> on his arm, and mm-hmm. he shakes it off, and everybody there thought 
okay, it's only a matter of minutes here, and he's going to fall dead. Well, as we all know, Paul never fell dead. So we might say that, and this is metaphorically, but we Mm -hmm. might say that that's exactly what your beta cells would do. Kind of like, uh-oh, here comes a deadly adder. No problem. We've seen him before. And poof. Ah, so what? It nabbed me a little bit. Taken care of. Yeah, you know, that's kind of uh, one, yeah. of, one of the analogies that I had or comparisons. But uh, I, I know that when you think about how we were made, God mm-hmm. made us to fight these things off. And... It, it's you know we 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 know that not just the truth of facts in here that that we've discussed before is being trampled, but there's a living truth. You know he is the truth. You know he is the life, and that truth is also being trampled because if you're trampling that, you miss out on your creator and how wonderfully we are made, and and it should. It should bring us closer to God, shouldn't it? Yeah. One would think. Yeah. <laughs> One would think. So, well, with that thought, uh, Ben, any final words? Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and close this thing out, mm-hmm. and um, we'll ask for blessings. That's just a brief prayer as we close. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much, uh, first of all, for Dr. Fleming. We pray for his protection, his guidance, uh, and not just him, but all of those who are out speaking truth and exposing them themselves, uh, you know, with their profession, uh, lifestyle, uh, risking even their very lives in some cases. But Lord, we thank you that we can be a part of that, sharing this information. We ask for your blessings upon all those listening. And until we meet again, may God bless those uh, that are listening. And Lord, may we be living, walking examples of you, drawing closer. And thank you for being our creator. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. 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 